0: In this episode of Getting to There, I had the pleasure to sit down with a one-man band. Jeremy Riesig, better known as Brother James, takes his listeners on a spiritual journey of live looping and recording all in real time. Setting aside a successful career, he pursued his dreams of being an inspirational musician. Risking it all to be the change he wanted to see in the world, led Brother James to pursue his dreams of creating a difference in the world through the power of music and words. Jeremy, Brother James, thank you for joining us. I know you're a busy yes, you're guy. And um, I know a little, little bit about you from what you write in, in the books that go to your, uh, in, your um, in your recordings and your Kickstarter. Obviously, uh, you're out there, which is awesome. So you had a regular job before you started doing music. Can you talk about what your regular job was and what did it for you to say, okay, I'm going to give that up and do music? Because probably for the first couple of of months, if not years, you didn't do it for the money. So what was that tipping point to when you said, you know, life's too short. I'm going to go in this direction.
1: Hmm. Well, the job that I had for a long time was selling Cutco cutlery. And so it was a, a very entrepreneurial job for anyone who knows Cutco and Vector Marketing. And I started off as a Cutco residential rep. And sold to people in their homes and then as i evolved musically actually naturally the progression of my musical kind of evolution eliminated my ability to go see residential clients because the same time that you're operating in the business of being a musician on weekends and on evenings are the same times that you would see your most qualified clients in the residential field and so at that point in time as my brother james was evolving i then started selling cutco to real estate agents and having them give away Cutco as closing gifts, and seeing that I could build a passive income through a certain style of selling that had kind of a turned a long-term, forever guaranteed product into a consumable in a very um, resellable type of way. So I started to see how I could actually create passive income that would allow me to go out and attack the skill sets that I needed to learn to become a musician. And what motivated me to do that is I just saw the path of being a musician, giving me access to the um, to people's ears in a way that without the music and without the art, sometimes it can fall on deaf ears. And uh, I think there's a lot of important messages that we need to hear as human beings. And I think music is a wonderful pathway. So uh, I went into music because I think that it's the biggest difference that I can make based on the, some of the talents and strengths that I've been given and what I love to do. And it serves a big need. so. I used the Cutco business to build a passive income and then built the skill sets to become a musician. And it's been an incredible ride. That's awesome. Hopefully I answered your question. No, that was perfect. There's no wrong answers. They're your answers.
0: So what's something that you resisted cool. initially that ended up being really good for you?
1: Something that I resisted initially that ended up being really good. Oh, putting myself out there. I was really lucky to have, I'm a big Tony Robbins guy I always wear my Tony Robbins necklace Um, I had a Tony Robbins coach at the time named Ian and what I resisted was wanting to put myself out there before I thought I was good enough I think we can all relate to that as an entrepreneur with a with especially an artistic idea or an idea that is just an outward expression of who we are because then if people don't like it it actually we feel like they don't like us because it's kind of like an expression within the art a song that's about my life or you know so uh, I was hesitant to go out there and wanted to get better and he pushed me and was like yo man like you need to get out there and get this experience rolling and really get some experiences underneath your belt so that was something that I resisted that I'm so glad that I had someone that helped to push me forward because it was it was a tipping point for me in regards to my overall commitment to the project that's awesome
0: one of the questions I like to, like to ask is, if you were given an award unexpectedly, what would your friends and family say the award is for, and what would you want what would you want the award to be for if it was a different answer?
1: Uh, no, it would be the same answer, and it would be value-based decisions. I'm pretty hardcore about my values aligning with the decisions that I make, especially around the way that I spend money. Gotcha. And so I would probably I'd probably get that award and I'd be proud to get it. Gotcha.
0: So I'm sure our viewers are going to be watching this and asking the question I'm going to ask. What is that hot mess behind you of just things on the wall and scribbling? You don't have to read it yeah. to us, but you know it looks like there's a genius at work back there. And uh, if, if you don't mind sharing with us the method to your madness, that would be
1: mucho appreciated. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in dream boards and I'm a very visual person. So what's behind me is a collage of all of the different images that inspire me. They make me think certain thoughts, and by putting them there when I walk by it, or if I'm laying on the ground stretching, or for some reason it catches my eye, or someone asks about it, it brings back to the focus of my attention what it is that I'm looking to attract. So it's they're all a bunch of different pictures that represent my dreams, or individuals who have created or accomplished something that is inspiring to me, that is part of, that I feel is like, in some way, I won't be them, but I'll use some of the characteristics that I really respect about them. Like, someone that I would use that example with is uh, Jay-Z. Like, Jay-Z is an artist who's super talented, but he's just got mad business skills, and he's a really great communicator. Like, when you, we get him, see him interviewed and stuff, so, like, and so he's someone who's on my dream board, and when it's like, why Jay-Z? It's like, Cause he makes me think these thoughts and I want these thoughts to be not something I have to read from a book, but something I can look at a picture and boom, I've got it in my brain. Then I see it enough times. It just is always there as a program that's running itself over and over again. So that's what that wall does for me. Gotcha. That's awesome.
0: What's next on your bucket list?
1: Next on my bucket list is Mount Shasta with Tim road. Oh, wow. We're going to hike Mount Shasta and then ride that puppy. Um, ride, uh, I'm gonna ride Be on a snowboard, Tim will be on skis. And then we've got like five other guys. Cushman, so Andrew Cushman's coming. Uh, Tony Sarempa will be there, myself, Tim Rode. I'm not sure who else, That's but awesome. I'm excited about it, man. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: So if you were given a do-over, how would you use it and why?
1: Oh, if I was given a do-over, I would definitely just be a better partner in the relationships that I've had and not be in a relationship to get something. But I would just focus more on giving and remembering that it's not all about me.
0: Sure. So you're probably on the road a lot. What percentage of your time is on the road? And then how do you keep those relationships if they're not on the road with you so that you have the best of both worlds? You can do what, you, that what inspires you but also have a place to plug back into when you... Get off the road.
1: Mm, well, I've unsuccessfully done it in the in the intimate relationship department so far in this adventure, and can see kind of goes with that last question the way I answered it. So I don't actually have an answer, but what I will say in regards to relationships that I enjoy in my life is that I made a really like uh, a strong decision. I, I put out a, put out an intention that I was gonna do my business as Brother James with people that I really enjoyed being around. And I've been really fortunate to do most of my business where I'm traveling to different environments, events, leading groups of people, that I get to do that with uh, John Burgoff and Mike McCarthy because they're two of my best friends and they attract a wonderful group of people to them. So in many ways, my relationships live on the road and they come through the types of networks that I've been so honored and so privileged to be a part of. That's awesome.
0: So you spend a lot of time inspiring children um, and you're an inspiration to others. Who is your inspiration? What's your favorite music? Who inspires you? You know, besides Jay-Z, what else is on, on your wall um, that, you know, when you're yeah. having a bad day, you think of that person and you're like, you know what, I can do this
1: well in a way i I just want to i want to just define and refine what it is you said about inspiring children because it's easy to think that children like people will have a certain image in their mind of what a child is right like so brother james plays for children you know what is that and so for me i play for all human beings and i've been really fortunate that naturally the message that i deliver through my music of feeling inspired living a passion kind of like an exciting life just do when i say exciting life like doing things that you're excited about finding tools and skills that allow you to go out and really live uh, an amazing life and i kind of embed these types of ideas in the music Um, be grateful uh, try hard in your relationships don't be selfish be kind go after your dreams like these are all messages in the song that really are just a representation of of kind of like who i am And I've been really fortunate and really pleased to see that that message is multi-generational. Like it works with children and it also works with teens and it also works with college students. And it also works with adults who are just big children because we're all searching for some of the keys and some of the tools and techniques that unlock like the authentic being that's inside of us. So the work that I do with the kids is just trying to help them to unlock their own kind of like locks that their parents and school and society have put on them and they put on themselves with some staple kind of, you know, surround yourself with people that like you for who you are. And that's something as adults we have to be reminded of, not to just go roll with the people who are super successful or have certain characteristics that like you wanna, a point being that with like, with affecting the children and, and getting the opportunity to play for them and the the young adults, but it's amazing how much by giving that message of going after your dreams and taking care of each other and uh, being your authentic self and trying to be the best you can be, that it also resonates with adults. And it makes me inspired to try and be that type of person all the time so that I can live that message so that they actually believe me when I say it. So I got a little kind of long-winded no, there. Good. Sorry about that, man. So the part
0: of that question I probably oh, got... Go ahead. Um, who's your favorite? What, what music inspires you?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I love Jason Mraz because Jason Mraz has a similar type of evolution. He's gone through where a lot of his songs, he really puts them out there with a great intention of what the message is going to be. And so from a songwriter standpoint, I really appreciate the intention that he uses when he puts words behind music and then delivers it to his millions of fans because he's programming their minds. So, Jason Mraz for sure.
0: Anybody else? Any, any rock or.
1: Uh, Michael Fronte. Okay. Michael Fronte is another one, another kind of good vibe soldier on the music front. And then if I look back to my childhood, it was definitely Pearl Jam that made a, an impact on the way that I saw how rad music could be okay. to like be part of. That's awesome. The grunge, the grunge scene, the 90s. Sure. So, what's something
0: you don't give yourself enough credit for? Um, as all good artists, there's a part of us that are painful, and you're probably harder on yourself than you ever should be. But at the same token, there's probably something that you do well that you just don't give yourself enough credit for. What do you think that would be?
1: Well, my mom complimented me on dancing the other day. She's like, you know, during that show, you had some like dance moves. They were pretty good. So maybe it's dancing. OK. If that's the first thing know. that
0: comes to mind, I'll, we'll, we'll take it. That's what comes
1: to mind. Yeah. Because I, I really actually think of myself as kind of a really poor dancer. Uh, and, and I don't know. My mom's always looking for ways to make me feel good about myself. So
0: <laughs> That's what moms do. I've seen knows, you live multiple maybe times. And uh, you, you dance well. I don't, you, know, you don't look like you're faking it or anything. You're just jumping up and down. The, um, we've all made <laughs> good decisions and bad decisions. What's been the smartest decision you've made so far in your life? Besides being on this wonderful TV show or whatever we're going to call
1: it. Smartest decision I've made. Mm. I think probably the smartest decision I made is that just to not try and keep up with everyone else. That makes Cause sense. it releases a lot of pressure.
0: So you have to be creative pretty much when you have the time to write down your songs and you're on the road and you also have ideas when you're probably least expecting it. So when you sit down to actually write, how do you get away or get around writer's block if when you're creative, you're not able to create and when you're able to create, you're not being creative at that moment? How do you get around that?
1: Uh, Great question. There's a couple different ways. One is just making it a practice. So by making it a practice, then you have material to go back to to where you're not like requiring yourself to count on your creative inspiration to start generating ideas. You you already have ideas that are and I use Evernote for pretty much everything. So inside of Evernote will be the lyrics that I'm working on will be a guitar riff that I'm using will be a melody that I'm using with the guitar riff, maybe even a song that I like that I want to model. And then so there I have different ingredients that no matter where I am or what time it is or what my inspiration level is that I can plug into kind of a formula and start to create the momentum I'm looking for versus expect it to kind of hit me. Are you
0: currently supporting the latest album that was on Kickstarter or are you already on, are you, you, what's your next project? Is it supporting the old album or is it working on a new album or can you do both simultaneously?
1: Uh, Well, I'm always working on new music. So I'm always working on creating new tunes that are gonna be coming here sometime this year those those songs will start to be released inside of the different groups that I play in front of i would say probably those new songs will be coming probably a, like realistically two or three songs by the fall just new songs that we might not release we might not might not record but they'll be brother james original songs and you know something that happens when you start to uh continuously evolve as a musician in, in the environments that we play in, which is a lot of mastermind groups, is that you get asked to do custom songs. So there's this kind of list of custom songs that we're working on that would not be considered like a their original music, but they're a, kind of a collaboration with, for example, a, a custom song that just came out called Super Kid, which is complementing a book that a 10 year old named Abigail Perez wrote. Called, the book is called How to Be a Super Kid. And so they called and said, hey, do you, can you do a custom song? And then I have a team that I hire, and so then we do a custom song uh, that represents the product or the organization, like the GoBundance one. Uh, so anyways, that's like, there's always kind of different projects musically going on where that creative side is being unleashed. And then I'm always working on new material musically, and I'm also uh promoting the Abracadabra album through just continuously playing at lots of events and lots of environments. Whether it's tonight at a nonprofit fundraiser, silent fundraiser in Traverse City for my buddy who has an organization called Stand Up for the Great Lakes. So they're raising money to protect the Great Lakes tonight. We'll be the the hosts and the band for that. Um, so that's like you know you're out there, you're playing the music, you're repping it. People will come up and ask for CDs. So. Everywhere we go, we're consistently promoting the album, getting on Facebook Lives and promoting it. And you know what's interesting is that most of the way that I bring music to audiences is actually through being a musical facilitator. So very rarely am I going into a place and actually just playing music. The category that I've created for myself is where I'm a musical entertainer coming in, but my core actual value proposition is helping organizations to get outcomes out of bringing groups of people together that they're not able to get themselves. That's great. And that's most organizations have a really tough time bringing people together and having those people leave connected, inspired, feeling open, feeling collaborative, feeling authentic, feeling heard. And so currently I just, I use a lot of the music that I've written and produced as, an entertaining value that goes along with being a certified uh, master facilitator. That's really what my brand ultimately has evolved into. And that's evolved in, and that's allowed so many incredible opportunities to, to come about because um, there's just not musical facilitators kind of a category of its own.
0: That's awesome. I know when you're live, your brother backs you on the drums. Is he uh, who you use in the studio? And, and do you ever feel like, you have to use him all the time. Like as, a, as an artist and as a brother, you want to take care of family. And, and so is there any, any, you know, any drama there? Or is it, hey, when you're live, he's your, he's your guide in the studio. When you want to do things that maybe are different styles, he's okay with you, you know, dating other drummers.
1: Exactly, what you just said. He's my live drummer. Uh, I work with a production team So I don't know how many people on this podcast will know the name David Osborne. Uh, David Osborne is someone who I've seen many times speak, and he resonates a message across so many different major speakers and influencers, which is make sure you hire geniuses. So one of the things that I consistently have done through Brother James is hire producers that know how to put songs together that have a team that they work with. And when I bring them on, I give ownership. And they're collaborative, but I also want to trust them because they know the industry better than I do. So in those cases, when I'm working with that production team on albums and songs and singles, yes, there's generally one or two drummers that are brought in. And then for live drumming, it's All My Brother. And I think in the future, he'll be on many of the tracks that come out, um, depending on the style of track that we, d- we decide to go with. That's awesome.
0: Hopefully they do know Dave Osborne, because he was a guest on the show. And, and I, I'm doing my best to get Dave's nice. message out there. Um, If you had to, to, you know, describe one of your most cherished memories, you've been a lot and, and, you know, you have a lot of experiences out there. Are you able to be present in the moment and appreciate the crowd you're in front of? Or is it your job and now you just want to perform to the best of your ability so you can't really enjoy the performance? Does does the question make sense? Like, I I know a lot of artists just want to present the best music which means they're not remembering the inspiration of the music, they're trying to play it well so the audience can get more out of it than the artist. So do you ever feel like you're changing (laughs) things up for yourself to make it fresh for you? And is there a conflict there between performing for your audience and enjoying the performance for Brother James?
1: Fascinating question, yeah. It's always going back and forth and like this counterbalance of all the things that you just described. It's all of those all the time. And when you're someone like myself, I can, I'm seeing the future unfold in front of me a lot and I'm seeing connection points being made. And so it allows the performance to not only be enjoyable in the present. it also has this kind of insatiable curiosity of how the, the performance in the present also connects to something in the future that I can't predict but that I'm excited about so and I also generally make decisions now on every audience knowing what type of uh, how it fits into the ring of domino that I would like to knock over and so that brings a certain presence that is before the actual show to where my emotion is already kind of set as I move into it just knowing what I'm the, the purpose that I'm there for and and how it fits into kind of the puzzle of what is that's awesome what do I say yes to as an entrepreneur and what do I say no to right and, and your so, performances and your venues
0: are different enough that you're not doing the same show in the same venue five days in a row because then that's where it really no. would be apparent whether or not you're doing the same show five years five days in a row or you're trying to give five different audiences something different um, which is good for you because mm. I think it'd be boring if you had if you had to be a you know a presenter five days in a row and present the same exact music the same exact way because that's what they're paying for um, you know I, and I've been to many of your shows and the organicness of it I think is what makes it very difficult to duplicate that same thing the next day um, if you had to do mm. it the second time so that's that's pretty cool um, yeah if you had to and, describe and yourself oh, so
1: and, and on that note. I'm prepared and prepare all the time for when that time comes that you just described because the long game actually has a lot of that consistent theme in it where thousands of people are coming to watch a Brother James keynote concert and we're playing those shows, which is now a brand. This is 10, 15 years down the road where. I don't have to be doing all the work that I'm doing now. Right now, I'm building this enormous audience. So this is 10, 15 years down the road when I don't require certain mastermind groups or organizations to provide the people that I then... uh Uh-oh, sorry about this.
0: That's okay,
1: we can still hear you. Sorry, I disappeared. (laughs) Um, Boy, that really, really wanna get through. So in the future, I'm prepared to actually do what it is you described, which is kind of the monotonous each and every performance has a certain type of flow to it that is always the same. And even now, all of our performances, they have a certain type of choreography that's always the same, that are just kind of like Sean Stevenson, the amazing speaker that we saw at Go Abundance, and in his breakout session, he was talking about how you have, um, you have like three, oh my gosh, it's like, you have, you basically have your ingredients that you can use when you take the stage, and sometimes you know what ingredients you're going to use. And sometimes you're trying to figure out what ingredient comes first as you're stepping onto the stage. But all you're doing is rearranging ingredients. You're not actually rearranging the ingredients, right? You're just rearranging the positioning or the uh, amount of them. Sure. Right. So I'm always preparing for when something takes off to know that there will be a sacrifice of the variety we have now that, also is something that will hold musicians and artists and people back of not wanting to plug, it, plug into the model, that the ego gets in the way of being like, oh, I'm kind of bored. It's like, no, I'll create the excitement because I, I know that I'm not there just for the enjoyment of it. I'm there all the time knowing that somehow this is all fitting together to make a difference in people's lives that somehow is making the world a better place. So there's like always this underlying excitement and energy and curiosity and openness to just going with what needs to get done to get the result um, out. And sometimes it doesn't always work, but most of the time it does.
0: That's awesome. If you had to describe yourself with five words, what would those five words be?
1: Passionate, disciplined, enthusiastic, integrity, and curious.
0: That's good. You didn't seem too uh, convinced with that last one, but we'll, we'll take it.
1: I couldn't remember if I already said it. <laughs>
0: um, That's true. What's a question that you wish people would ask you and they never do? Like there's something you want to get out there. And, and, and talking about Dave Osborne's show, his answer to that was faith. And, and so we talked about that because that was a question. He's like, no one ever asked me about that. They asked me about my money and they never asked me about that. Um, so in, in your world, what's a question no one ever asks you but you wish they would?
1: Mm-hmm. I think that I would, I'd love it if people would ask me, how do you think that your values align and, and living in line with your values? Let me think about this. I've thought about this. I've actually asked this question of several people in interviews. I thought I would have a good answer, but I don't. <laughs> but I know I know what I, I, I want to say, but I don't know what the formulation of the question would be. I would want people to ask me about how I feel about making decisions that are beyond my own self-interest, but that have to do with the whole of what keeps us alive and why I think that's important.
0: And what would be your answer to that?
1: Because just like any sort of a business or any sort of a family, we have to continue take into consideration all the parts and being alive and breathing air and drinking water, it has fundamental things that have to happen for us to get those types of resources. And so to look at how our decisions impact our ability to fundamentally see those resources being continued to be as wonderful as they are right now, not just for us, but for the world. That when we think about our decisions and we think about that it changes the way that we make decisions and connects us more to the very thing that keeps us alive in our and respect for that and within that is some sort of a magical love that is generated and i think when we have more of it we are just better versions of ourselves and that, that's, that's the decisions we make on food, the decisions we make on travel, the decisions we make on the number of homes, the type of cars, all these different things that they all add up. And within those decisions are opportunities for us to cl- connect more closely with who we are and potentially what it is that we, um, our relationship with the land, if you will. And, uh, and it just brings us more into fulfillment. So that's how I would answer it. What do you think about that?
0: <laughs> that's the deepest answer we've ever had. That's awesome. I think when we all die, we're going to realize it's all connected. Somehow everything, all the sure. it's all connected. It's people you meet, people you don't meet. It's it's all there. Um, so for the last question, since that last, since that that second to last question was a deep question, um, if if our if our viewers are have their normal job, let's say they're a CPA, uh, just like you were selling Cutco, and they're not inspired, you know they're they're going through life, and I think you've already mm-hmm. hit on it. Life's a lot more than just you know working nine to five to have off on the weekends. Um, what would you tell them, because if his dream is to be a jazz bass guitarist, um, but he's you know working in H&R Block or whatever, like he has a, a normal job, life's too short to not be doing what you love. But what if you're, they're scared because either they have family or they, you know, they're, they're stifling their own light because they think that's what should be done of them? And obviously, you're a, a, a light in a good way of you can take the leap and you'll find the net and success will be there. And if you do what you love, I mean, everyone always says, do what you love, you'll make the money. But some people don't trust that and don't believe it. So what, what words of wisdom would you give someone to, to you know, take that chance in themselves and maybe not quit their H&R Block job or whatever their job is, but start dabbling in the, the pool of possibility? What would you, yeah. How would you tell them that?
1: The very first thing I would say is that the saying of, like, do what you love and the money will follow is you don't want to, like, subscribe to that being the way that you count on things working out.
0: Right.
1: It's, so that, that would be my first piece of advice is I see so many talented individuals who have such great skill and they're unwilling to learn the tools and the skills that it's going to take in order for them to take their great value to the marketplace, to the marketplace. They just want things to kind of happen without having to actually do the hard work. So just thinking, doing what your love is going to make it happen. That's the first thing. Don't believe that. Believe that there's a great combination of using whatever vehicle you're in right now to supplement and to maybe even fund your ability to start dipping your toe in the water of the dream you might have. So if it's playing jazz bass, it's signing up for lessons and investing the 200 bucks maybe a month or maybe $300 a month, if even that. And the time to go be like, is this fun? Do I like this? And maybe you don't have a good teacher the first time. And then you say, well, or maybe and when I say a, bad, a good teacher, I mean, maybe you don't vibe with the teacher. And so maybe you do online courses, but give yourself a couple opportunities to see what it feels like to start doing, in this case, the jazz bass. Or if it's art, or even jazz bass, go to an open mic and play along with someone if you already have the chops that you can go and just see what it feels like to play with the band. Do you get a certain type of a surge, the fulfillment that you thought would be there? Or are you just kind of like, oh, this is okay. Because I think the reason i take us down that train is respect the job that you have and understand that it's a very, very good asset that you have a job and have money and have abilities to maybe fluctuate your hours of operation and dollars you can earn and also don't get too far ahead of yourself envisioning what it is you want to create without going and getting some of that little experience that allows you to start being like, oh, I really like this or oh, I can see how I kind of my mind was playing kind of some tricks on me. Like go experience it. What I find for most people is whether they're an entrepreneur or someone who has a job and they have a passion is they're like, I want to quit this as soon as I can and get over here. And it's like, no, don't do that. Because as soon as you do that, first and foremost the pressure of now going and doing something that you might not have any idea how you're going to take to the marketplace and make money doing it's high because now you got to earn money to pay your bills while doing something it's like there's this beautiful balance of like set yourself up in a way where you can really utilize that vehicle you're already in especially if you're an entrepreneur and you can dictate like how many hours you work to earn, to earn how many dollars, so your financial offense, and then you know your financial defense and you know your bills and you know your budget. Now you can just start strategically placing your hours all over the place. Like if you're someone who's in a nine to five job and you have no flexibility of your dollar per hour or your hours per week, you've got to find ways, you got to dig a little harder to create the space. And if you have a family, you've got to do online stuff because you're not going to be able to get out of the house and go do all that type, like, online is the world you'll want to live in to get trained and to get the information that you want to get. Man, I could talk forever on this, dude. This is like I've just I coached many people around this and I see all the things that I knew as I was going through the process of this journey. I could see the traps. I could see where it was like, holy crap, I'm gonna go from making two hundred a year, two hundred thousand to making like seventy grand a year. Like what are all the things in my budget that I have to cut out? In order to actually live that lifestyle to create the time freedom to immerse myself like as an entrepreneur I also at that point in time had to say all the people I've been competing with with my net income all the people I've been competing with with my real estate investments all the people that I share a vocabulary with I also have to make sure that I don't feel a loss of being like them when I take this income and start reinvesting my dollars into my passions so if you're a higher level entrepreneur we've got to check ourselves on how much we're still influenced by the people around us and how much we still want to keep up with the Joneses like we did in like middle school and high school and how that keeps us from really exploring who we are because there's a fear to lose kind of the significance if you will or the connection to people based on a financial change in and directing of dollars so those are a handful of spots that um, hopefully if you're listening they're specific enough to speak to you at the different levels, and uh, and then now that you're aware of them, you can you can bust through that one because there will be more. Um, the world's not set up for you to like go find yourself. Most of the conditioning we have will work against us, so we have to remember to get beyond and continuously go into the uncomfortable and into the uncertain, where we don't see the certainty, and we certainly don't see um, how um, it's all going to work out. Like there's definitely risk involved as you get to a certain level.
0: That's, I'm so glad you, you answered it that way because I was afraid you were going to say, oh no, quit your job, go, go do your dream because I'm thinking all the comments of, I'm now unemployed, <laughs> you, know? Uh, I'll, you know. So that was an awesome, and that, that's the right answer. You know, there's a migration to live in your passion uh, and especially uh, if you have responsibilities, you got to you know, warrant that. Uh, this is awesome, and I could talk to you all day. I probably have talked to you all day in, in certain venues. Um, anything else you want our, our, our viewers to know about? Yeah, this was a great, you know, I, hopefully these weren't the same questions you answered 700 times before. Um, I did my research to try to answer ask questions I thought you would enjoy, but also be new information coming out of your, coming out of your head.
1: Um, it was great. I really appreciate uh, the flow of, the, of, this, of this interaction, of this interview um whatever it turns out to be tv show podcast yeah, we're gonna do it all
0: it's, it's easy
1: we to do it all i love it <laughs> i say hey we're using the i was just talking to someone yesterday about the rob dial formula and how rob dial's formula is masterfully about repurposing content right. and how important that is in regards to being everywhere for all the people that have different types of communication preferences right some people might want to watch a video some people might want to be on itunes some people might want to be um, on SoundCloud, it's like, or on Spotify, it's like, but it's this. Anyways, uh, what would I like people to know? I would love people to know that my passion project right now and what it is that I am most involved in when it comes to how I spend my time is that I am the co-leader of a community called Fam Abundance, F A M, bundance Fam Abundance, and what is it? It is exactly um, like the name. It's about families living an abundant life together. And uh, who is it for? It's for entrepreneurial families who want to grow together, who want to share and experience it together, and also want to put some pieces together so that they stay friends for the rest of their life, um, versus the kids can't, you know, not being able to wait to get out of the house. Like, we're here to make the family strong and have people like really connect to each other. And I use music inside of this community so, Fambundance, it's, uh, it's something I'm super excited about. I think the more families we have that are living brave and courageous lives together, connected together, the more brave and connected and courageous communities we're going to have, and the stronger we're going to get as a, as a nation and as a world, I think it starts in the family system. So, I got into this music thing to make the biggest difference I could, and when the uh, opportunity of fam abundance was presented, uh, it was an opportunity to make a big difference, and I'm excited about that.
0: Awesome. I can't think of a better, more positive way to end this interview with Brother James. I want to thank you very much for your time. And if you want any information, all the information for Brother James will be in the link at the end of this video. Brother James, thank you very much, my man. I'll see you
1: again. Take care. Peace out, man.